DJs through passion and purpose. And now your host, David Michael. What's up, everybody, and welcome to the Passionate DJ Podcast. I'm your host, David Michael, and with me is... Trip Turlington. Trip Turlington. It's trippy. <laughs> so this is just a little duo show we're putting together, and actually... Uh, so we had planned on doing this sort of headlines show, right. and uh, I, so what is actually going to happen is this is going to be SoundCloud show plus some other headlines, because that's just <laughs> what everybody is talking about right now. So the first thing I'm going to do is jump in and, and apologize to, to Mo Dingo, because yeah, yeah. we're bumping his episode out to cover this right now, because this is just such a time-sensitive kind of topic. Right. Um, so, uh, next week, probably <laughs> from when you hear this will be uh, Mo Dingo's crate invasion episode that I already mentioned. So right. I've kind of messed up the order here that I already talked about, which is why I never do that. <laughs> but here we are. <laughs> but here we are. <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah, it's, um, tonight, uh, Mo and Tony couldn't be here because they're out working. Right. Right. Doing the show thing. Yeah. Bone thugs and harmony corrupt <sighs> from the dog pound. Uh, Dioro, uh, and a, a whole litany of other like regional and, and local acts and stuff like that. So yeah, they're, they're, they're living it up. So yeah, I do, I do have several topics to bring up, but this, the oh, SoundCloud boy. thing, man, is yeah. just, you know, you can't, you can't get around, you, know, I, you have to talk about it. I think the only thing that is eclipsing SoundCloud in the news right now is Donald Trump. So, yeah. <laughs> You know, I, I tweeted earlier today that uh, today I learned it's harder to keep up with SoundCloud news than Trump news. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I never thought I'd see the day, but holy moly, it's like, uh, yeah, every 20 minutes there's like something else happened. Something right. new. Oh, some other bit of news or yeah. what they said isn't true or right. like, holy crap. Uh, before we get too far down that rabbit hole, I wanted to say that anybody who submits a voicemail before the end of the month, so by july 31st now we we don't have to play it by then but to anybody who submits a voicemail that we play um, i'm going to send a 20 percent off uh, coupon for our new passionate dj merch yeah store. so if you submit a message and we use it and the message was submitted before the end of the month um yeah just make sure that you leave your email address in when you leave the voicemail <laughs> so that i can get it to you right uh, but yeah we got the uh, the new passionate dj store so we've got logo merch and we've got you know i'm wearing my uh, the hip-hop shirt right now um you know there's uh the deep houses for lovers shirt mm -hmm. we showed all this stuff on the stream but it was a little hard to see so yeah make sure you hit up passionatedj.com click store and, and check those out and uh get in on that little promo if you can yeah no for sure yeah yeah i i can't wait i'm gonna be buying all of our merch <laughs> <laughs> all right so july 12th TechCrunch comes out with this article <laughs> and they say it's titled SoundCloud Sinks, as leaks say, layoffs by little time, which is kind of a wordy title. But yeah, so they started uh, giving some pretty scary numbers <laughs> for people who are using SoundCloud as their hosting platform, you right. know, like uh, the Passionate DJ podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, a tense scene unfolded yesterday. At, this comes from TechCrunch. A tense scene unfolded yesterday as user-generated music streaming service SoundCloud held an all-hands meeting to explain to employees why it suddenly had to lay off 40% of its staff last mm. week. So, ouch. That's, yeah, that's, that's a rough number. 
I mean, even if a company is laying off, you know, 5%, you know, that that's a scary number too. I mean, it, I mean, of course it all depends on, you know, how, how big the scale and how many people that is. But I mean, 40% of their, of SoundCloud is what a couple hundred people or was it a hundred, hundred? Yeah. Something, something like that. Yeah, like, I mean, that's a lot of people to be letting go. Um, you know, regardless of what the situation is. Well, and not only that, but it seems like it, it caught everybody off guard, not just us, but even their employees. Yeah. That's like those, <laughs> you hear about those stories of people who show up to work and there's a sign on the door. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It says here, exiting team members wanted to know why they weren't warned while those who survived the cuts wanted assurance that the cost reductions would keep the company afloat for the long run. Right. So yeah, it's, it sounds very similar to that. They just show up one day and go, uh, right. And I mean, they, they had to have seen some kind of writing on the wall because, well, I mean, even us over here outside of the trenches have been screaming about SoundCloud, like, what's going on? Yeah, for, for well over, what, a year, yeah, two years? At like, least. I mean, it's, it's, it, it, I mean, it's been one of those things that's just been a constant thorn in our side. No matter how much we use SoundCloud, you know, the writing's been on the wall for a while, but nobody's been able to decipher exactly what it says because somehow SoundCloud keeps going. Well, now it sounds like... It might yeah. not keep going. <laughs> yeah, the uh, the founders, Alex Young and Eric Walforce, confessed that the layoffs only saved the company enough money to have runway, quote, until Q4, which uh, the article originally reported would be about 50 days. Um, mm. They corrected that and said actually it was about 80 days. Yeah. Uh, which conflicted with uh, the statement that Young released <laughs> alongside the layoffs, mm. which noted that, quote, more uh, with more focus and a need to think about the long term comes tough decisions. The company never mentioned how long or how short its cash would still last. We reached out to Young and SoundCloud for the story, and PR responded to the request, reiterating the blog post. After being presented with the leaked information from the All Hands, SoundCloud PR admitted that we are fully funded into Q4, though it says it's in talks with potential investors. But. <laughs> Further funding would require faith in SoundCloud that its own staff lacks. When asked about the morale of the remaining team, one employee who asked to remain anonymous told TechCrunch that, it, quote, it's pretty shitty, pretty somber. I know people who didn't get the axe that are actually quitting. The people saved from this are jumping ship. The morale is really low. Yeah. Another I've... employee called it a shit show. <laughs> I don't believe people will stay. Uh, somebody called SoundCloud family and they were laughing. I mean, it's just, right. it was a whole mess. Well, and I, you know, I've been in, in situations in my professional career where, you know, some people have, you know, been let go due to, you know, a, a company failing or at least in decline, you know, due to whatever economic conditions there are. And yeah, I mean, even if you're just letting go of 5% of your, your workforce, that has a very demoralizing effect. So when you take a company like SoundCloud that had such promise, you know, at least from a conceptual point of view, and you've got all these people who are really passionate about yeah. creating that platform for artists and creators and DJs and, and all of those people that come together for the love of music and, and creating something and sharing it, you know, that that's that's something more to bond over than what a lot of people do in their everyday other, you know, in other industries and, and sectors, you know, some people just really aren't passionate about whatever it is that they do, or they may be passionate about what they do, but they may not be passionate about right. the product, you know, whereas I feel like 
with a company like SoundCloud, you know, that's that's a product you can get passionate about. And, and yeah. if it is, you know, and you get that buy-in, but then all of a sudden, you know, almost half the people are let go. And then the people who are left, you know, that that sarcasm, that cynicism, that that severe doubt in everything you've been working for, you know, that is it's demoralizing. It's yeah. crushing. It's it, you know, it, it does make for a hostile work environment yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, for those that are left. Anyway. Right. Right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, SoundCloud was pretty quick to respond to to that article. Um, so that was on the 12th when they TechCrunch posted that on the 13th. SoundCloud repo, uh, responded with a, a pretty confident statement. This comes from resident, yeah, resident advisor. They said, to clarify, SoundCloud is fully funded into the fourth quarter, the spokesperson said. We continue to be confident that the changes made last week put us on our path to profitability and ensure SoundCloud's long-term viability. In terms of layoffs, it's not our policy to discuss individual employee cases, SoundCloud added. But what we can share is that we will continue to work with all employees who are let go uh, to support them during the transition with employment and financial assistance. So a severance package and maybe here's some phone numbers of people that you can call for a job. Like, you know, I've, I've been in that situation too. Like, yeah, <laughs> you know, like, well, it, you know, it's, and it's, this is one of those stories that's so hard to follow because, right. you know, TechCrunch says, you know, the sky is falling, the sky is falling and SoundCloud says, no, it's not, no, it's not. Right. And then, like, former employees come back and say, no, it totally is falling. Right. And so it's it's one of those, okay, who are we listening to? You know, the disgruntled employee or the disgruntled company or the... Right, right. And and that, and the, and, you know, when, when you're dealing with something like that, the truth is always somewhere in the middle, you know, because, yeah. you know, employees don't have all of the relevant information that, you know, the decision makers do. You know, your C-level executives and, and people like that, they are doing whatever it is that they can do to save the company that... You know, so they are privy to information that the the regular employees don't have. Right. But then the they may not be as in tune <laughs> with their employees. Yeah. You know, so when once you've got you know that uh, once you once you've got that kind of an antagonistic you know uh, environment going on, then it, it, it's it's very easy for both sides to shut each other out. And now it's us versus them kind of mentality. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, once you get to a point, you know, regardless of how how good they're doing and the insistence from from Young and other people who are saying that, you know, this is not the end of SoundCloud. I mean, they, they're literally posting SoundCloud's not going anywhere. That was one of right. the tweets they posted. Right. Um, you know, but when you lose half your workforce... That, that's that's going to do something. That's sending a message. Right. You know, and they're whether saying you intended this, to or not. Yeah. They're saying this is what's going to put us back profitable again. Uh, other people are saying this is the death knell, you know. And so it's it could go either way. But to your point, this is a huge hit to morale, if nothing else. Well, and that's going to affect their business. And absolutely. let alone the, you know, this looks bad. Well, and, and and that's been a consistent problem for right. SoundCloud. They, I they didn't know, need this bad press. <laughs> yeah, I don't know that they've done anything that makes them look good in the last two years right. or more. You know, like, 
you know, and I think we've talked about this before where like, you know, it's, it's easy for everybody to hate SoundCloud, right? Especially for like people like DJs that were part of the original content creation for that website. Like, you know, they, you know, they helped build SoundCloud to what it is, but then SoundCloud realizes, oh, well, you know, how are we going to make this thing profitable? We've got millions of users. How are we supposed to like take what they're doing and keep it profitable? But like people, you know, shun the idea of ads and people, you know, didn't want to do this. They didn't want to do that, you know, and people threatened to leave and, but they can't get everybody to become a pro user, you know? So like, um, you know, at, at the end of the day, like the biggest problem that SoundCloud has is how do you generate that revenue without, you know, annoying the users, and, but also without getting in bed with the big labels. And, right. that, and that was one of the big problems there is that once once they got into bed with the labels that kicked off all the DJs. So, you know, then DJs ran to Mixcloud and anywhere else that, you know, they could put their stuff Um and even remix artists, you know, yep. I, I myself had my own track taken down <laughs> because... And you see that over and over again, too. Right, You're not the only one. Right. And, and, and I get it. But, you know, you would think that you that whatever software they're using can look at the name of the track and who <laughs> it was by and compare it with the name of the user on yeah. the might be the same person, you know. But now they have forty percent less people to lay eyes on that <laughs> stuff, so they're they're relying even more on the algorithm. Right. right. So you know, so for for me, the future of SoundCloud is a lot less about the news of now, but it's still the same story that everybody's been talking about forever. How are they going to be profitable? Well, but so here's the latest as far as it trying to rescue it now. You gotta bear in mind this is like hot off the presses stuff. I was gonna like say, I think I heard this rumor that you're, I, it, or is it a rumor or is it a it's real so thing? Far. Now, okay. by the time this gets published, I don't know. See, this is the thing. It's it's what the fourteenth now, so this could change a million times. By the, I mean, <laughs> we got in here to do this as fast as we could, but it's changing so fast that we can't even keep up with it. But, right, right. So what happened today before I came over here to record this was okay. that. Uh, Chance the Rapper decides to tweet. Well, yesterday he tweets, I'm working on the SoundCloud thing. And that's all he said. And, of course, it got like 38,000 retweets. Right. Uh, And today he posted, just had a very fruitful call with Alex Young. SoundCloud is here to stay. Break me off a piece of that (laughs) Kick at bar. (laughs) Yeah, he's trying to break off a little piece. But, you know... That's that's all we know, you right, know. Right. Now, Chance the Rapper seems like the kind of guy that would come out if he says he's going to do something, he's going to give it a shot. Sure, you sure. know. But I don't even know if he's worth enough to save SoundCloud. Yeah, well, and I mean, I, part it, of me thinks that it's going to take like a juggernaut, you know, like Spotify is going to come in and wave yeah, a big fat check or yeah, something. They, they don't need a million dollars, like right. you know what I mean. They 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 need. A lot like and and don't get me wrong. I mean, if he can float them, you know, (laughs) float them enough cash to, you know, till they figure out what it is that they need to do, then okay, cool. You know, good on chance. But like the problem is not that they just need a loan, you know, to to get them to the next step. Like they need to know what that next step is. And, you know, so anybody, you know, it, it can be a big question mark, you know, it, you know, um, 
replace Chance with anybody who's got that kind of money to Robert Sellerman. <laughs> right. You know, anybody that can just, you know, dump a few million and, and say, okay, here you go. Now, now what do we do? Yeah. And that's the problem is that every time that SoundCloud has tried to make some strategic move, it's been the wrong thing. Um, SoundCloud Go never seemed like the right option to no, me. No, it, it, to me, it was confusing. It was like, yeah, why wait, are they competing with Apple Music and Spotify and, and stuff right. when that's not what... That's not what SoundCloud them, does. Right. Yeah, that's not what got them there. Right. And, you know, for... It, it, I think what you just said was 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 pretty paramount there. That it, it's going to take some force outside of SoundCloud to save SoundCloud because somebody with some different ideas about what SoundCloud is and should be is going to have to come in and say, "Okay, this is what you do well. Now, this is what you've tried in order to make that profitable," and this is what else you've tried to make it profitable. And this is what else you've tried to make it profitable. <laughs> and all, none of these things are working. So, you know, bring in somebody who has that ability. So like, whether it's Apple music or Spotify or, you know, whoever, somebody who's got that, I mean, yeah. Or, you know, SFX or, you know, <laughs> you know Beatport, you know, whoever just, you know, somebody has to come in and say, you know, we can preserve some degree of this core functionality that makes SoundCloud what it is, right? But here's what you're going to have to do in order to make it, you know, profitable. And if that means pissing off a bunch of us producers, remixers, and DJs, you know, and fundamentally kind of changing how th how they do that, you know, then fine. Like, yeah. if, if I mean, if 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 what we if what we want and need is that then okay cool it's either going to take that or i saw i think it was dead mouse was tweeting about this or it's going to take somebody who really just wants that email database to just come right. along with a big check yeah you know the and you know some big label some big whatever streaming company right to come along and just want the data and maybe the you know the embed tech and all the, you know, whatever they've invested into their system. Right. The techno right. technology wise. But as far as a, you know, platform, you know, are they going to invest in that and keep that going as a brand or, you know, it's all that stuff is up in the air right now. Yeah. And the thing that's freaking people out about it, uh, including me is like, okay, passionate DJ podcast is, is hosted on SoundCloud right. directly. Like right. they, we're not just present there. We are hosted there. We have yeah. a paid account and everything. And so, you know, we keep backups of all of our files and all that kind of stuff. So fine, no big deal. But, you know, if if I went home tonight after recording this and SoundCloud flipped the switch, I would be really panicking because right. it's not that I've lost my data, though for some people that would be the case. Right. It's... uh you lose a lot more than just your files, you know, but besides your followers and all that kind of stuff. I mean, if people have subscribed to your podcast, right. you know, and that RSS feed just disappears, oh shit, what happens to my subscribers, you right. know? Right. And so, you know, personally, I'm already in, you and I've been talking, you know, outside of the show about, okay, what's our, what's, what's our, our plan, plan here? B? What do we yeah. do <laughs> uh, to make this seamless? And so we've got, you know, 
Hopefully you're hearing this and it's not after resubscribing to the podcast if we did it right. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, but, you know, so people with podcast feeds, people who don't have backups of their music, people, you know, who have, like you said, have embedded players all over the Internet and links and, and things. Yeah. All that stuff just disappears, let alone your followers and, and stuff. And so, yeah, it's it's a little bit scary, you know, even if you know, your data is all intact and stuff, it's still a, a pain in the ass. And mm-hmm. and for for some people, it's going to be a lot more of a pain than it will be for us. You know right, what I mean? Right, right. And, and it's just, it's a scary thought. And so, yeah, definitely make sure if, if this applies to you, make sure you have all your data somewhere. Start right. downloading the MP3s off back off of SoundCloud now if you have to, if, mm-hmm. it's, if that's all that exists. Um, also, shame on you, but... <laughs> <laughs> start downloading it. Right. I'm not saying to to pull off a SoundCloud or do anything yet. You know, we're we're not saying anything like that. But right, but protect yourself. But yeah, yeah, I mean, this is this is a very good case of you know, if you have all your eggs in one basket, it's it's pretty scary. Diversify, you know? diversify. Oh wait, no. <laughs> so what do you think SoundCloud would have to do to? That's or maybe where did they go wrong specifically? I mean, I know we could com- make a little micro complaints all day. Sure. I mean, that's the million dollar question, right? I think one of the the problems is, is that when you've got a platform such as this, then you've got to already have a plan in place to play with the big dogs when it comes to mm-hmm. things like RIA, ASCAP, BMI. Did they just get too know. big to fail? I don't know that they got too big to fail. I think too big to succeed. I guess. <laughs> right. You know what I meant? Yeah. I think one of the, the, the very first things that you have to think about once you have that great idea for a website, for a platform, for uh, anything is how can I monetize this? And you need to know that before you go into it. Mm-hmm. And I fi- and I'm not saying that SoundCloud didn't do this. I mean, I don't have any special information that anybody else has. It's, this is all purely speculation. But what happened is they built this platform and then offered pro accounts, you know, or tiered pro accounts so that, you know, if you paid X, then you got this much more time and and certain analytics and if you paid another you know tier up then you got you know even unlimited time and all uh, even more analytics which is all really cool stuff to see and to have but the user base that stayed in the free tier was just too big yeah yeah i mean because we're talking audio files you know, for everybody who uploads, you know, every MP3, much less if people are uploading waves. I mean, you're talking, I mean, and don't get me wrong, storage space is cheap these days, but I mean, I don't know about you, but I've got, you know, probably three terabytes of, you know, data and most of it is probably music, yeah. you know, or, or project files and things like that. So for everything that SoundCloud is trying to store for millions of users. I mean, there's there's got to be an astronomical cost to that. So you're talking transcoding all that stuff exactly. and serving it and the bandwidth and throughput issues that come along with that exactly. and everything too. So. Exactly. So I think one of the biggest mistakes that they made was sticking strictly to, you know, the the tiered paid subscriber format as a means of uh, revenue, because if 
they didn't already have some kind of a plan in place to at least approach advertisers. And if, and from the beginning, you know, pay, uh, if you were not a paid user, then you got ads or you had ads added to your content or whatever. Had they started that from the beginning, I don't think they would be anywhere near the issues that they're in because then they could be generating revenue off of ad content from the people who don't pay the extra. That's exactly what Pandora does. That's exactly what Spotify does. That's what, exactly what everybody does. DIFM, uh, digitally imported. But those are all streaming services for the consumption of music too where soundcloud wasn't built on that idea it, it was almost like wasn't. they started going that way because they needed to figure out how to monetize sure is, is that fair sure um but i mean that's uh, I, I see what you're saying because you know nobody barely anybody go i mean that was kind of the idea behind soundcloud go right was was for people to go and listen to SoundCloud as they're, you know, streaming, yeah. you know, whatever. But um, if they did that before Spotify became a monster or something, too, maybe they could have had some success. But sure, I sure. Mean, they're taking something they didn't specialize in and trying to glom on, to, you know, to that. And I, I don't, I never saw how that could work. And, right. and especially when you consider, you know, they SoundCloud's supposed to have something like 150 million active users, but that stat hasn't been updated in like three years. <laughs> there's probably a reason for that, right? So if there's 150 million active users three years ago, I can tell you that there's 149, 999,999 <laughs> now because I, I haven't been super active on SoundCloud in about that amount of time, in mm. about three years. Um, and I've got various reasons for it. I used to be the pro account. I used to put all of my music up there. I used to share everything from it. And now what you see today is a very stripped down version of what I had going on there. Um, I'm not a paid user anymore, you know, and it's basically just so I've got a presence on there. Like yeah. I don't, I, the only, I'm honestly, I, I use SoundCloud to log in to passionate DJ more <laughs> right. than I do my own account, you know, because I'm, I'm much more active there doing, you know, our, yeah. uh, you know, audio uploads and, and, and show notes and things like that, you know, for a, at least one user, you know, I, I've become very disenchanted with it, you know, and part, and, it, and it's, you know, multifaceted. Part of it is that I haven't been making as much music over the last, you know, two years. Um, part of it is that, like, you know, when they kept upping the price of of the pro accounts, well, that that kind of chaps my ass too. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, when I get a takedown notice, <laughs> and then when you start seeing all of the stories, you know, about you know everything, you know, the the issues that they have, it all just starts to add up, and it just makes it feel like it's a hostile environment, you yeah. know. And when well, now, I mean, they're, I hate to say it, but they're, and, and you know, you and I were talking before the show that I think we're both a little more sympathetic to SoundCloud than yeah. than it seems most of our peers are. Sure, like. It, I I feel bad for, yeah, for SoundCloud. Absolutely. Like I think this is super shitty for them because yeah. they, I think they started out with the best of intentions. Sure. Now, I don't know them at all, you right, know. Right, right. But in the past, they'd always treated us pretty well, and I'd had a good, pretty good experience. And I saw people complaining about stuff that I thought was like, "Why are you complaining about? It? You're just complaining," you know. Yeah, right. Um, but that kept happening and kept happening, and kept happening, and 
it got to the point where it's like there's almost nobody saying anything good about SoundCloud right now. And that alone is I mean, how do you even recover from that? Right. You know, I'm not saying it's impossible, but it's it's a rough road right. to come back from everybody hating you. Well, and, but give us your money, you know, it's right. Exactly. And I think that, I mean, you know, there, the, the, the relationship between the user base and, and SoundCloud as an entity has always been complicated, right? Like, you know, SoundCloud, I, I absolutely agree. I think the whole premise started off on its, on, on good merits. I think, you know, the idea was, was great and it, and it proved out to be a very useful platform, right? I mean, there's, 150 million you know users on there and that's all fine and good but you know one of the biggest complaints that you hear all the time especially from djs is that it became a hostile environment for djs because djs are putting up mixes that contain copyrighted material yeah now you know so now there's this you know, business entity that is now liable for the content yeah. that you are uploading. So they get, they increase in size to a certain point and they say, okay, we've got to better monetize this. And as soon as they start accepting money and they get to a certain size, then copyright's a huge issue. Right. Whereas before, maybe it's like, oh, the SoundCloud guys, that's just a little niche product for right. these DJ and producer cats and, and, and you know, no big no deal. It's no big deal, right. Uh, once you get to a certain point where you're on everybody's radar and, and, and the money's majority, being exchanged. And the majority of your user base is free, you yeah. know, so like... That's problematic. Yeah, yeah. so there's, there's, there is money being exchanged, but then like there's not enough to cover everybody who's putting up all of this copyrighted yeah. material that they don't have the rights to. And now, and you know... I've said it before, like I am completely on the fence, like in that I see the arguments on both sides there. Sure. Like there's got to be some rule of law that protects the copyright. You know, the person who created that uh, that original work and allows them, you know, some recourse or some avenue to get paid for when their work is being used in such a way that you know, warrants as such. But on the other side of that, you know, DJ culture, you know, uh, and remix culture by far and large, you know, has always reached back, you know, and used the sounds of the past or even the sounds of the present in order to create the sound of the future, yeah. you know, and, and, and like hip hop producers and absolutely. such too. It's all based around that idea. Exactly. So, you know, at what point is something, you know, from the past, uh, being used, you know, as a way of, uh, making money for the sake of, you know, making money off of somebody else's work versus yeah. I'm taking somebody else's work and then creating something new out of it. Well, and, and this is not a new problem overall. Right, I mean, we've right. been we've been talking about this. Well, people have been talking about this since at least Napster, right? You know, right. and and that was kind of the big first like oh shit moment. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. what do we do with this tech? Exactly, this changes everything, and right. we've been figuring out how to properly monetize and compensate artists ever since. Right, and I almost wonder if if it wouldn't have taken you know. SoundCloud would have had to pair with like a band camp or something 
yeah. uh, before now. <laughs> right, right. You know, and, and come up with some other model that helps their artists get paid yeah. um, rather than trying to, because like you said, everybody is in the free tier. You know, all their members are in the free tier for the most part. Yeah. And then they're trying to charge consumers mm-hmm. of the content who can pretty much get everything that they want elsewhere. So they're coming to SoundCloud to get more indie type stuff, Mm -hmm. but they're not incentivizing these more indie artists because they're all staying in the free tier. They're not getting any kind of compensation. So it's like, well, what, what's the motivation for a general consumer to come to SoundCloud? Are you going to give me a better experience than Spotify or, or one of these other services? Right. Not likely, you know, but at the same time, you know, the the bigger, you know, things like Spotify and all that, you know, they've got their own problems. You know, the, the one of the biggest problems that we have with the with the music industry in general is that the music industry isn't the music industry anymore. It's the yeah. tech industry that is running and 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 and, point. and really determining how the music industry is 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 going to operate now, you know, with with things like Spotify, you know, for, you know, however many times something gets played, you get fractions of a cent. Whereas before, at least with the music industry, when CDs were a thing for every CD you sold, at least you get a dime, (laughs) (laughs) you know? So, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those really weird things where, you know, we are at a very serious tech versus music crossroads and, it's really hard to tell which way these things are going. And for SoundCloud, I I really don't know. Well, I mean, you know, this, this story is changing constantly. And yeah, right. by the time people hear this, there will probably be more to the story. And so we're going to try to keep up with this. Um, but I guess we better try to blast through some of these other headlines. So <laughs> right. since you brought up Spotify, sure. I'm going to go ahead and go there. Okay. I, I don't know if you've heard about this, but... You mentioned Spotify having some other um, issues. So according to Magnetic Mag, Spotify is in hot water over allegations that it's creating fake artist accounts (laughs) (laughs) and placing songs songs by those artists in premium playlists. The service is denying it, but when you look at some of these accounts, things start to look fishy. Many don't have any online presence outside of Spotify, so how are they racking up millions of plays on Spotify? The problem was first reported by Music Business Worldwide last last August and brought up by Vulture last week. Spotify denies the allegations in a statement via Billboard. We do not and have never created fake artists and put them on Spotify playlists. Categorically untrue, full stop. We pay royalties, sound and publishing, for all tracks on Spotify and for everything that we playlist. We do not own rights. We're not a label. All our music is licensed from rights holders and we pay them. We don't pay ourselves. However, it would appear as though Spotify has been caught red-handed. Music Business Worldwide did a follow-up, and some of the artists they dug up have no online presence, but have names that are similar to popular ones today. One example is Bon V, a profile with two ambient songs. There's no mention of the songs anywhere, nor can you buy them on iTunes. <laughs> so Wait, so if these are... Okay, I'm, I'm having... I'm having a brain fart moment. So how, how do you have a fake artist? Like, 
Like, is, I don't know. That's what's so fishy about it to me. Like, is I, this like laugh track type of thing? <laughs> like, you just got, you just have like, you know, musicians on standby. Here, make me a hit track or make me that's something that sounds poppier. Make me say something that sounds like, you know, ambient chill or whatever. Yeah. And then, What's so the, what? So what? This this person just makes it because Spotify told them to, and then like they right. What's the motivation right, behind that? Right. Uh, yeah, I don't understand. That's that's the whole thing. It's it's really weird. Because like, if you like, if you are the fake artist, and then you get racked up with millions of plays, then like, aren't you getting paid? Like, how does that make you a fake artist? Then like, somebody has to actually make the music, right? Yeah. Like, so why would why would they want to be anonymous? Right. Is the first question. Right. So there's got to be some kind of arrangement. Like, is this is this kind of like a ghost producer situation? Right. 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 You know, where there somebody's getting paid that's not really the person. That, yeah. I, I don't get it. I don't know what that means or why they would be doing that, but it definitely seems weird. Yeah, because <laughs> because then like that's the other thing. So like, how are they getting these millions of plays? Is it just a, is it just Spotify like artificially inflating right. it, or is it because they are placing these people in like you know the highest advantageous prof- yeah, yeah. Uh, playlists you know and um and if that's the case, then wouldn't you suspect that if people like that music, like that they're going to seek out that artist. And if they seek out that artist, then is that artist actually a fake artist? Like I'm, my brain hurts. Yeah. (laughs) That's the weird thing about it. It's like, okay, something weird is happening, apparently happening there, allegedly happening. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. Why would there be millions of plays racked up on it? Well, it could be artificially inflated by some algorithm or because of advantageous placement in playlists and stuff like that. Okay. But then what's the motivation behind that? Well, it could be a, maybe a pay-to-play situation that's yeah, going on like behind a, the scenes. Like a, payola, a, a new modern payola scheme yeah. or something. Yeah. Or it could be uh, you know somebody's trying to start some kind of side project with known artists that you know maybe they're trying to create some new brand and monetize that in some other way. Right. You know, it's it's hard to say. What's you know we can only speculate, but right. It don't seem right. Yeah, like. <laughs> Some something ain't something ain't right about that. <laughs> well, keeping the theme of of streaming music going. Okay. Uh, I read today that uh, research finds that stream ripping, in other words, like you know, going to YouTube or SoundCloud or wherever and actually pulling uh, the streams down. I think I I, uh, I I think I came across this article too. Yeah. yeah this yeah. this now overshadows Is all other methods of illegal piracy. Yeah, and it's like what forty percent of like uh, total or it, maybe I. I'm misremembering that 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 statistic, but it was something ridiculously. Stream ripping takes over as most aggressive form of music piracy. It increases 141 percent. So this <laughs> this comes from <laughs> PR. That's what it was. This comes from prsformusic.com. So they found that stream ripping now overshadows all other methods of illegal piracy. The uh, biggest culprits are 16 to 34 year olds. Probably could have predicted that. Sure. Uh, YouTube was revealed as the most popular source for illegal stream ripping. Yeah. Um, now, this one's interesting and kind of scary. So malware or um, like unwanted program mm-hmm. uh, advertising was was the main funding model associated with the stream ripping services. So like if you go to like uh, YouTube to MP3 dot mm-hmm. whatever. Right. Um, yeah. The most common 
monetization model for those sites is malware. So uh, heads up. <laughs> um, but this, uh, they surveyed over 9,000 people. It's the fastest growing form of music piracy in the UK with nearly 70% of music specific, specific infringement dominated by the illegal online activity. Wow. Uh, let me see. There's, there's all kinds of interesting stuff in here. I'm trying not to just read the whole article, but uh, yeah, YouTube was found to be the most popular source. Uh, SoundCloud, Spotify, and Deezer were amongst the other popular licensed platforms most targeted. While the, mo- while the majority of stream ripping traffic was found to come from individuals actively seeking the illegal services directly, search engines also delivered a significant proportion of traffic to the stream ripping services. Wow. So, uh, yeah, in a survey of over 9,000 people, 50 per- 57% of UK adults claimed to be aware of stream ripping services and 15% claimed to have used them. <laughs> wow. Man. Reasons given for stream ripping. Uh, 31% said music was already owned by the user in another format. Mm, it seems likely. Wanting to listen to music offline was 26%, or on the move, 25%. Unaffordability, 21%. And the feeling that official music content is overpriced was 20% of people. Hmm. So, I mean... It, but I, I, don't, I don't hear... I mean... It's one thing to say that, you know, music is overpriced, but it's another one to just say you're a cheap shit. No, <laughs> no I, um, you know, I, I went through, um, uh, you know, my, my piracy days as well, you know, not to sit here and incriminate myself, but, you know, like, um, you know, I, 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 I'm, I'm pretty staunch now about it. Like yeah. I, I, I buy all of my music, um, and and a lot of it was just because you know all of the stuff that not all of it but a lot of the stuff that I had downloaded was just inferior quality. Like some of it, you know, a, a good amount of it is out there and it's in good quality. But you know, there's there's other stuff out there that just you know it, it, it's it's a crapshoot sometimes. Yeah. You know, a file may say that it's a three twenty, <laughs> but it's <laughs> right. really a sixty four. You know, right. and it. You know, so for me, it just it became a uh, a desire to have you know uh, the the confidence in knowing that I'm buying something that has a particular um, quality to it, and that I'm supporting somebody else. And I think part of that is that I've also been on the other side of that. You know, yeah, that you know now that I am you know somebody who produces music and puts it out there and and tries to sell it, you know, or lease it or whatever, what have you, um, you know, I would like to get paid from my efforts, you know? Yeah. So, um, so for me, I, I, but a lot of the stuff that I buy is from other people like myself, you know, right, not, right. not, I don't buy a whole lot of pop music or, or, you know, bigger, you know, labels stuff anymore. So I thought that was interesting because the i mean it seems like i turned around and it went from peer to peer and torrents being how you got music right. to ripping it from from other streaming services yeah. like that i mean like it's it's hard to download music from like those methods now right it's not even right. worth the effort like i would rather just go to itunes and <laughs> pay a buck and get it you know get it yeah um and that's coming from somebody who who lived in that world, you know, right, like right. the super nerdy peer to peer file sharing stuff. Yeah. Yep. Um, 
which is going to say something about the quality of the music that you're getting because streaming services, you know, like YouTube and SoundCloud and stuff have their own transcoding and then you're ripping it and re-encoding it and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. So a lot of people Not are... Not to mention compression and, yeah, and limiting it, right. algorithms that these streaming services, exactly. especially as things move away from the loudest wars um, and start getting into a more standardized uh, LUFS uh, oh, system yeah. uh, rather than... Just cram it through uh, a brick wall limiter until it just sounds like it's going to make your speakers explode. <laughs> you know, so the, a lot of mastering engineers are starting to move toward a particular standard of, of, of luffs and loudness. And the reason behind that is because of the streaming services that are dictating, okay, this is what the standard needs to be. This is what the loudness needs to be. This is the 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 number yeah. of bits and bytes and and you know the 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 sample rate and all of that. This is what you have to give us in order for it to sound optimal mm. on our platform. I didn't know that was uh Yeah, it's yeah, that's it, pretty cool. So actually you know <laughs> Uh, so when you go to like Beatport or Juno or something like that, and you are downloading and buying a, an MP3, that they don't have that standard because yeah. you're buying it direct from whoever mastered it, and it, you know it, you, that's the file you are getting. But when it goes to Spotify, when it goes to Apple Music, when it goes to um, you know Google Play, when it goes to any of the streaming types of things, then yeah, though there are and YouTube, there's you know a particular you know algorithm that they use to compress, limit, and and make everything across those platforms sound the same, and and that's that's how they're doing it is by setting a particular standard on sample rates hmm. and bit depth and um and uh and your LUFS loudness and and you know so one of the the good things about that is that it, as this catches on more and more and more then it will actually help fight the loudness wars yeah who who would have thought that internet streaming companies would be coming to the rescue on that one <laughs> right right exactly <laughs> exactly all right we're going to go over to uh, belgium for a second here um so tomorrowland they had like 400,000 ticket holders in 2017 um, and due to, you know, being a kind of a defensive reaction to like the Ariana Grande Manchester mm. situation mm -hmm. and, and other things that have been happening over there in the in the realm of terrorism. Right. They screened every one of these 400,000 ticket holders. Oh. And uh, they actually rejected 38 people. <laughs> so, yeah, this is uh, let's see uh, Dancing Astronaut. They say Tomorrowland has taken a step in festival security that no other multi-day festival has before. Organizers of the Belgium-based event are on the defensive this year for the festi festival's 12th iteration, with the threat of terrorism especially emphasized after the suicide bombing in Manchester. Federal police in Belgium have acknowledged Tomorrowland's screening of each and every ticket holder, 400,000 of them this year. So the 38 people were refused entry, um, plus some other security measures were taken. So this comes from your EDM. Uh, the particular particular process of vetting was not disclosed and that's likely to prevent anybody from co concocting ways to circumvent those <laughs> right. <laughs> right but um uh, 38 ind individuals were picked out and refused access to the festival um and they said something about th the reasons 
that they may have been rejected were due to their potential for radical behavior. So it wasn't that they did anything necessarily. They just, mm. for, based on some criterion, they decided that <laughs> these people had potential. These 38 of 400,000 did not belong at this festival, I guess. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's that's pretty insane. Was that the Belgium Center for Pre-Crime, you know, <laughs> right, like a right. little minority report thing right, going on exactly. here? The oracles had decided. I kind of they- had the same <laughs> feeling. Like, is that, am I okay with that? I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I, I would need to know a little more than that, I guess. But, right, um, right. I guess they also put, uh, the, the town's called Boom, actually, which is kind of interesting. Hmm. Um, they installed concrete blocks in an attempt to prevent truck attacks. Mm. So, uh, you know, this this kind of crazy s- world that we kind of sucks man. that we have to even talk about that stuff. Right, but, right. But yeah, I, I I don't know how I feel about. I appreciate the fact that you know people are taking uh, all of that seriously, um, you know, but without knowing, like the the conditions under which those 38 people were denied entry. Like, you know, if you want to set up, you know, some concrete blocks and to prevent a, you know, a blast, you know, sure. Cool. You know, I, I, I can get behind that, but you know, um, without seeing the, the 38 people or hearing their story about, or their account of why they were, you know, uh, rejected and without hearing, yeah, you know, uh, under what, circumstance you know because you know right. Were, we, was this just like 38 people from libya or something right. or was it like 38 people with like a severe like have participated in terrorism activity or something like right. what's that makes a huge difference here yeah right? especially you know because here in the states you know we 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 see here and deal with you know the repercussions of racial profiling all the time right and even now in our current political climate you know now the it, the, the the topic is not just limited to racial profiling it's also shifting over to religious profiling right, right. and you know so you know i don't know how y'all do it in belgium <laughs> <laughs> you know but um you know that would be my main concern you know sure these 38 people were prevented entry but you know, were there sufficient grounds? Like, were they, you know, were they carrying a knife? Were they, you know, did you find something, you know, that was questionable on their person? You know, yeah. so, I mean, and to screen 400,000 people, my question yeah, is, is how head. how accurate is would it have been? I mean, now, right. granted, if nothing happened, then great, nothing happened. But, you know, can you say that nothing happened because those 38 people didn't get in? Like, I'm, I'm just... I'm real skeptical of that. Well, so the mayors of Boom and Rumpst lent Tomorrowland permission to screen the thousands of ticket holders. Due to a Tomorrowland ticket's link to one's full legal name and country of origin, the process was expedited. The information sought immediately obtained. So they, it, it doesn't sound like they had like a couple hundred people like looking at physical tickets and then like Googling them, right? So they, they had wow. some kind of systematic thing for this. But that means they were working with police or the mayors or somebody to do this which is interesting in in and of itself yeah yeah so yeah weird well what's even more weird is then like okay so if if the whole thing could have been circumvented by just giving a fake name and a different country of <laughs> origin like yeah how right. accurate was this so like yeah yeah a little bizarre 
Yeah, that, that sucks that we even have to think about stuff like that. But Agreed, agreed. Well, on a lighter note, did you know that Sony is returning to pressing vinyl? No. Yeah, so like for the first time in like almost three decades. Yeah. <laughs> so at least Sony of Japan is. Um, so according to Nikkei, so they're like a, an Asian, Asia-centric English publication. Okay. Uh, they say that Sony will resume pressing vinyl records for the first time in nearly three decades, yeah, looking to keep up with demand from not only nostalgic seniors, but also younger aficionados. So production is supposed to resume by March 2018 at a plant in Japan run by a subsidiary of Sony Music Entertainment. That's awesome. They stopped making vinyl records in 89 after the advent of CDs, and... So they're installing, or they have installed, a record-cutting system at the Tokyo Recording Studio in February, which enabled them to produce the masters from which vinyl records are copied. And they talk about the delicate cutting process and stuff. So um, I guess Japanese sales of vinyl records, just like everywhere else, they've... uh, you know, increased in recent years. Uh, oh, in yeah. fact, from since 2010 or yeah, from 2010 to 2016, they've roughly octupled. Wow. So yeah, 799,000 units in, in 2016. And, and you know, what's cool about that is that like, no, I mean, the, the story is the same everywhere worldwide. Like the, the, uh, the companies that press vinyl can't keep up. Yeah. Like they they literally cannot keep up. I've heard some, you know, reports of some like pressers that can't even get to your order. If you order it today, they can't even get to you for six months. You know, like (laughs) six months. Like, you know, that's that that's awesome that, you know, we're we're having that problem. Yeah. You know, because I can remember there were uh, some friends of mine that were talking about buying a, a record press, you know, 15 years ago. And, you know, uh, maybe even 20 years ago, and that would have ended very badly, you yeah. know, uh, you know, at least for a little while. You know, they would have had to have held on to that stuff for a couple of decades before <laughs> they ever even saw, you know, uh, you know, anything realized. Well, out plus of that. that part of the problem isn't just keeping that old machinery going, but it's uh, people with the know how. Right. You know, because th- nobody it's not is trained in, to do that. Yeah, anymore. it's not intuitive equipment to use. There's a couple it's a delicate of, process. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's a couple of videos out there that like will that walk through the whole thing. I, I encourage people to, to Google uh, record presses in action because it's a really neat process to yeah. watch, but it's definitely not anything intuitive that you just walk in there and say, eh, I'm just going to... And it kind of takes almost like a team because you yeah. you need somebody to properly master the audio for that system, and then you need somebody to actually like run the whole giant <laughs> machine, yep. right? Yep. And those are two different skill sets, and so, you know... Who knows how to master for vinyl anymore? Exactly. You know, some old guy (laughs) with a ponytail does, and you got to find him, right? (laughs) Right. So So here's a little bit of a rough story. Have you heard about Dubspot lately? Oh, they've got it pretty rough. So they're talking like I've been seeing this blow up all over. They've been talking about this for a while. I guess like they're being accused of scamming students and like running with their money. And yeah, this is rough. Um, So originally Thump, so they're like, you know, Vice's music division. Um, Let's see. uh, They stated that Dubspot have 
so DubSpot's employees, I guess, or the like the teachers who are, and for those who don't know, DubSpot was a very popular like DJ production mm-hmm. school. I think mostly production. Yeah, there at one point I think they were even uh, a destination spot for uh, Ableton Live certification. Mm, right, yep, right. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, they had physical offices in both LA and New York, and okay. they're both shut down now. Wow. <laughs> um, so their employees have accused the CEO. That's uh, Dan Jovi, I think is how you say it. G I O V E. Um, they're accusing him of fraudulent activities and erratic behavior. Um, in emails seen by Thump, over 55 students have alleged that the school did not deliver the classes which they had paid for up front, in some cases have not issued refunds. Mm. Uh, in some cases, the teachers aren't even showing up. Mm. So, uh, yeah, students have complained about poor communication on the part of the school staff, classes being rescheduled multiple times. Uh, students also said that when they did manage to go to a class, there was often no instructor present because they themselves had not been paid their teacher's fee and they refused to teach. Um, one person in Austria had paid, uh, it was almost $4,400 for their Ableton Live producer certificate wow. uh, course at the New York location. Uh, after not hearing from the staff about an official start date, she went to the school in April to see what was going on in person. The school was a mess, she told Thump. There was hardly any equipment there anymore, and I was offended by a guy who was at the school and rudely asked me to leave. Uh, so, yeah, I've, I've been reading, like, I saw, I think I found a, it was a Reddit thread or something about mm. people complaining about this. Like, there are lawsuits ranging from, like, 150 bucks to, like, $200,000. 200? Oh, good God. I mean, it's like... <laughs> Jesus. It's, it's crazy stuff. If you've got two hundred grand that you're gonna throw at something, uh, give, I, I'd better verify that. <laughs> that's good. I mean, even if it's half that. I mean, if you've got fifty grand that you want to throw at something, email me at trip at passionatedj.com. <laughs> I'll teach you how to spin some beats. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like Jiminy Christmas. It, that's. That's really sad because DubSpot's been around for a while, and I mean, like professionally, you know, put to get put together videos. I mean, they, I mean, that, I mean, every time, ten thousand. Okay, well, sorry, fine, ten thousand. Not to be alarmist, it's only ten k. <laughs> Again, if you've got ten thousand, <laughs> like, yeah, no, I, I, you know, DubSpot. I mean, that's that's. They they were a household name in that regard. I mean, yeah, you, you knew that they had offices on the coast. You know, they've got all these professionally, you know, put together videos and a lot of to, to, uh, a lot of tutorials, tons of classes, uh, the Ableton Live certification program, all of that. So um, to to see and hear about that, I mean, you know, somebody's got to be in a in a desperate spot, you know. Yeah, well, somebody, I don't remember if it was DJ Shifty or one of the other instructors there, was uh, somebody was saying that he was basically like pawning off whatever gear was left to pay the teachers off instead of cash because they didn't have any money. Mm. And he's been like, er- erratic behavior is all I is all they say, but that sounds like a hookers and blow problem. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> what did it kind of seem? I'm sure it didn't, but it seemed like it came out of nowhere. Because yeah. I mean, you know, they hookers and blow typically do. do. I mean, they right. just they, they, they just show, show up. up and <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's you know that if you look at you know they have a lot of 
public free content too, and you, right. you check out right. their their YouTube content and stuff. And these are very well produced videos, yep. really nice equipment, and they've got these big rooms with like setups all over the place, right. really nice stuff. Mm-hmm. And you get the impression that they're you know, a company that really have their shit together, right. and apparently that's not so. Wow. So ugh, man, there's just a lot of. A rough business decisions in today's episode. Right, right. So what did we learn today, kids? <laughs> Don't start a business. <laughs> Without Stay a proper the, plan. Stay out of the music industry, kids. <laughs> this has been the Pendant. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right, it is about time to wrap this up, but uh, I, I wanted to know if you saw this, this one last headline that's been floating around. Do you know how old is too old to go clubbing? Oh God! <laughs> I don't. I don't think I want to know because I'm don't. probably either at or above that number. So I almost didn't bring this in because it's stupid. Yeah. But <laughs> <laughs> but the re- it, it's everywhere. Like if you look at all the main like kind of EDM or dance music or yeah. DJ sites, they're all saying something about this. So I'm like, okay, who's coming out with this research that I keep saying about how old is too old for clubbing? Yeah. <laughs> so I'll give you one guess. Who do you think did this research? Uh Pew. Wrong. It's <laughs> It's Curry's PC World. They're like an electronics distributor in the UK. <laughs> it's like it's just some <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know. So I have no idea why this blew up. Like, oh my God, have you heard this latest research? <laughs> but uh, yeah, so 37 really? is apparently too old. And that this was based on a number of factors like uh, you know, desire to stay in and, and desire to do this and that. and it, it, Whatever factors they, they put in there, 37 is the number they came up with. So. <laughs> I've got a good four years here. You just, yeah, I'm you're over, overdue. I'm man. over you that. Just... Uh, so I need to just <laughs> hang up the headphones and uh, be watching eBay. And <laughs> <laughs> now, the, I did decide to go ahead and bring this in because I thought it would be kind of a fun way to uh, to close the show out. Okay. Because uh, one thing that Magnetic Mag did was they, they posted, uh, well, Ryan Middleton on there posted 37 ways to keep raving past 37. <laughs> all right, so I'm not going to read all of them, but some of them were pretty funny, so I wanted to skip through some of these here. Uh, number one is, well, here, I'm, I'm here to offer you 37 foolproof solutions to make sure you can rave to the grave for all you octogenarian 37, 38, 39, 40, and 80-year-olds. So number one is bring your kids to the club. <laughs> Two, bring your babysitter with your kids to the club. Three, bring your pets to the club, etc. So, uh, number four is install your own toilet in the club because you will need to go often. <laughs> uh, bring a TV because that's what you wanted to do anyway. <laughs> bring your own modem to the club so you have a great Wi-Fi connection to watch Netflix. <laughs> uh, let's see. Bring a mix CD to give to the DJ. <laughs> that's uh, awesome. Kindly ask the DJ to turn down the music. That's a pretty good one. <laughs> if your kids start crying, ask the DJ to turn it back up. <laughs> Bring your in-laws to make sure they never visit again. That's yeah, a good yeah, one. Yeah, that's a good okay. one. Yeah, there you go. Uh, let's see. Bring that one coworker who always asks you how you are doing, even though nothing has changed in your life for the past year, and you give him the exact same fine every day <laughs> just so he'll never speak to you again. Stop it, Keith. That's number 17. <laughs> 
Bring your assistant because you'll probably forget something. There you go. Bring your couch because yours is better. <laughs> oh, bring bring your own drinks. Bring plenty of water because you need to stay hydrated. Check, check. Yeah. Bring a bartender for those drinks. <laughs> bring a bed for a nap. <laughs> bring your own coffee maker. Uh, let's see. Have someone fan you at all times. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> have have a change of clothes since you may sweat through yours or realize it was a terrible mistake to wear that shirt. <laughs> and number 37 is my favorite. Adopt one of the bouncers so you never have to wait in line. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's but, it, it's crazy to me. Like cuz I mean, you know, especially when you're younger, you know, and you're like 20 in your 20s and stuff like that, you know, whenever you came across the occasional, you know, mid to late thirties person, you know, they were either super cool or they were a cop, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, it just, you know, especially as we, the raving generation have kind of aged up, you know, and, and are hitting into our forties, you know, um, I'm not there yet, by the way. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, it just, it, it, it's, it's been, an interesting kind of experiment, right? Because those of us that, you know, you know, raved for four days a week (laughs) in a row all day, all night, um, you know, now, you know, we're a lot more selective about the events that we go to because of all of our, you know, you know, life priorities and things like that, but it doesn't stop us, you know, like, You know, so there's, you know, a, a lot of the events in our area are more attended by people in their 30s and 40s than, you know, some in their 20s, you know. So it just kind of depends on the event and who who is throwing the event and what the event is centered around. But, you know, um, it, it I think we're we're really blessed in that we we had that culture here, mm. and that there's still so many of us that are involved in it, um, and that we do our best to kind of integrate with the with the younger generation. Um, but uh, you well, know, it's just that whole like uh, I don't know what the what age is too old, you know. Yeah. But um, well, I know I, people that are at least twice my age that that are out more often than I am. And, you know, it's, I, I think it's funny cause you know, we're, we're kind of bringing a serious spin to, to a goofy to, thing to here, a goofy, but, right, right. um, you know, that it is something interesting to think about, you know, as I don't think that people who are going out when they're older, you know, if they, if you say you're too old to go out, I don't, I don't think anybody really thinks they're too old to go out anymore. I think that people have kind of eased up like they're kind of used to seeing 40 50 60 year old people in the club now sure it's not a big deal right but it's more um almost like an overall culture thing like i could go out tonight or i could stay in here and watch whatever the hell i want Mm. or i could play (laughs) video games with all my friends on my couch in my underwear right or you know what i mean there's just so many quote unquote amazing reasons to stay home and not go out at all right now, right? Right. And and still feel like you're interacting with people all day yeah. long. Yeah. You know, and so I'm sure that factors into why probably people just aren't going out as I don't know if people aren't going out as much or what the stats are on that. Uh, sure, I, I sure, should be sure, careful but... how I say that. But uh, yeah, I thought it was kinda interesting. I don't know why they picked thirty seven as the, the optimal number there. Uh... Well especially because we know it's forty two. <laughs> like... 
everything. So. <laughs> for all you hitchhikers fans. But uh, all right, man. Yeah. Thanks for hanging out. Absolutely. It's, uh, it's getting you. late. Go uh, put that leg up and hang out for a bit. Yeah, by fire up my 360 or something. Hey, there you go. <laughs> we'll see you, man. All right. This has been the Passionate DJ Podcast. Peace. Easy. <laughs>